I loved helping people. I loved the fact that I could be in someone's home. Back then, it was you drove around with yeah. a copier, and you went to people's homes, and you met with them. You met their families. You saw their dog. You saw how they lived. You wanted to help them, and that's what this business is about. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I'm grateful to have Coach Herb Devine of Mortgage Right. Coach Devine is a mortgage loan professional. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. How are you? Thanks for having me. Coach, how do you do it? How do you do it all? You've got multiple teams going. You've got a mortgage team. You've got a football team. You've got a flag football team program. You've got a family, a large family, I may add. How do you put it all in one day? Honestly, it's just uh, day by day. Kind of get through each day, get it through each morning, and then Get to work, get work done, get get prepared for football, and and I got a I got a great family that uh, is very supportive of the football side, and and business has been pretty busy as well. So it's uh, it's hectic, but it's uh, it's it's fun, and it's just kind of what we're used to in the fall, to be honest with you. Let's paint a picture of September, uh, Tuesday morning, any day September. Herb wakes up and what? So we got the five kids at home, um, had to throw in a, a couple of dogs as well this uh, summer, which is probably not a great idea. But uh, we get up, we get the kids ready, they get on the bus, and then then I'm usually on, I block off a couple of hours in the morning to watch some film and get prepared for practice. And then I'll get to the office, and when I get to the office, I try to turn the football off and do the work stuff and and get through uh, as much as I can to help people out and and whether it's you know pre-approvals or refinance, and we're we're trying to just grind through the day. Then we get to practice at about four thirty. We go till about seven o'clock, and then uh, it's come home with the family, have dinner, and get the little ones to bed, and uh, do it all over the next day. That's amazing. So, is that the secret of success that you're able to turn one thing completely off, or do they start to blend together? Interruptionville. It's well, you'll get Interruptionville. Obviously, being in the mortgage business, it's very busy. Yeah. Um, but I try to block off. Like I'll have an hour to prepare for a practice or get my script ready for practice or watch film. Like I really try to make sure on Tuesdays and Wednesdays I'm dedicating time. Plus on the weekends, it's you know there's a lot of time to prepare for the the film, the next opponent when it comes to the to the high school stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. If I if I let everything blend into one, then I'm going to be all over the map. Even though we are all over the map, we try to give ourselves a little bit of scheduling that that uh, can focus on one thing at a time. And uh, that's that's what I've tried to do. But uh, you know, last year without football, it was a lot more time spent on the mortgage side. And this year, it's kind of a juggling act right now. But uh, we, we're we're getting through it. I mean, that's probably what you tell your team, right? We're always striving for perfection, right? We're trying, we're doing, we're getting better. How about your mortgage team? Talk about them for a little bit. I have a great team, and we have, um, we've had a, I mean, really the last, seems like the last year and eight months has been nonstop. Um, Megan Brady on my team, Amy Cole, Min Peterson, um, one, of my, one of my coaches does double duty. He's a coach and helps out with the mortgage side too, Coach Sweeney. 
Um, I have a great group that uh, are so into making sure our customers and our referral partners are getting answers and callbacks. And uh, it, it helps to have a great team on the mortgage side. And then I have a, when it comes to the football side, we have a great coaching staff as well at Situate. So it's, it's important to have people that work with you that can uh, get things done. And that's what we have at Mortgage Right. Talk to me about the similarities between the teams and the organizational and the executions of, of delegation for these teams. I think it's important. I mean, to be, a, to be a football coach, you're only as good as your coaching staff. So I can, I can be a head coach, be on the roster, and go out to practice. But if, I, if you do not have the right people doing your, you know, your offensive line, your defensive line, your D-backs, your special teams, you have to have people in place to make your team successful. Same thing translates over to the mortgage world. If you don't have a, a loan officer assistant like what I have in Megan Brady, who's probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in the business, and I've seen a lot of people I've been in the business 25 years, to have somebody as smart and as dedicated to the customers and getting deals done that we have at Mortgage Right. That is another great reason why our team is successful. And then we have um, Amy Cole and Min Peterson, who are both um, excellent at what they do. One's a processor, one's kind of a loan disclosure, but she'll also, I mean, she'll drive out to people's homes and pick up documents. Like if you have issues getting emails to us, um, dedication to what they do is so important. And it's, it's just like the football side to have dedicated people that are good at their craft take pride in it that's what makes both teams successful and they own their responsibilities right so that defensive line coach you know that what is being asked is being messaged and that the team is fully engaged with his unit yeah 100 I, I think the great thing about it translates to the d-line coach because the d-line coach takes pride in his guys right he wants to make sure that if somebody's going to talk to his guys, he knows what's being said. He knows what's being done. He knows what's being taught. Same thing translates to the mortgage side. If you have a process that, that takes pride in making sure every file is perfect and every file is ready to go so when the underwriter looks at it, it's a one-touch or a two-touch and we're good to go. So to have people that take pride in what they do on both teams is super important. It just makes people respect makes me know that those people are taken care of, the customers are taken care of, our players are taken care of, our clients are taken care of because they take pride in their work. And you're able to let go and let them lead their own organizations, if you will. 100%. If you have a good group that can just take it on and you know that they're going to do the job and you don't have to micromanage, I mean, that's that's where you want to be as, as a coach or as a, a mortgage professional. You want people to take pride in their work and you know it's going to get done and you don't have to be on them. And tell me about how that same teamwork, organizational operations works with your family. Well, I think I would probably be one of the uh, assistant coaches uh. there. My wife is, uh, I mean, with the five kids, we got one in high school and, and two in the middle school and two in elementary school. And then we have a four-year-old son that's only goes to school three days a week. So she's the one in charge. And there's so many things the kids are doing with with games and um, homework. So she does, you know, she's the one that's really taking care of. Um, she's kind of the CEO of the home, and I'm just like, tell me what you need me to do, and, and I'll you're do the, it. You're the defensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might D. even be like the uh, 
like the DN coach here. So <laughs> I, um, I might be like, okay, tell me what I'm doing. Where am I going? Who am I picking up? Where am I going? Um, and she kind of runs the show. She's definitely the head coach and definitely the one that, that sacrifices a lot. Let's me kind of fulfill the, when one of those dreams that I had about being a, a college coach or, or a football coach. And she's allowed me to, you know, the amount of time that she sacrifices and the things that she's got to do on her own without me during 4.30 to 7 when I'm at practice or at Friday night in games. I mean, she's done so much to sacrifice her time to let me, you know, be be the head coach somewhere else. So uh, you know, she's she does a lot. And to have one of the busiest uh, businesses out there right now, which is mortgage loan origination. So let's talk about your community for a little bit. So head football coach for the Situate Sailors. Situate Sailors, state champions. 2018. 2018, state champions. So we're not talking about somebody who's mailing anything in here, folks. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, nine years ago, you also started a flag football program in Situate. I believe it was nine years ago. Maybe, yeah, maybe eight, nine years ago. I'm pretty sure it's right around there. But uh, that was a great community kind of undertaking there was a lot of people that helped out at the beginning that uh we, we what we did is just reach out to so many people that were in situate that saw um it starting to happen across the country and, and we wanted to be a part of it and i think in situate it was i started to see that there was not as many youth sports or maybe maybe the younger kids to get the program to really get more and more kids involved in the sport of football um, and that was not just boys. It was boys and girls. All my daughters played. I have four daughters. All of my friends' daughters played. It was our first couple of years. We had probably just as many girls playing flag football than we did boys. So it was great. to see. I mean, we had 500, 600 kids out there on Saturday wow. afternoons, probably going from 12 o'clock to 8 o'clock at night because we only had one field. Um, it was great to see. It was a lot of a lot of time on the on the weekends, but it was great to see the community kind of like really rally around all the kids out there and we were running out of tunnels and having music and the parents and grandparents with videos. And it was fun to watch. It was really a, I mean, it's still going well, but I think the last couple of years we had, we didn't have a stadium. And then with COVID last couple of years, we were a little bit put, put behind, but now it's back on Saturdays. And, and now we have the two fields, the, you know, the new complex at situate where we have two turf fields. So it's, it gets done in three hours, so we nice. you know maybe only have 450 kids, but it's still phenomenal to watch all the kids out there playing and um, a lot of kids from Situate and then some kids from Coasset as, as well. Oh, good, good, because you merge the youth football as well, right? Yeah, so youth football's always had, since I've been here, it's been Situate and Cohasset. They call it Psycho. So it's been a combination of the two towns that form one team. Um, that's been ongoing i think maybe for the last 25 years that's been an ongoing thing so we just felt like hey why don't we why don't we include some of the cohasset kids as well so they can do the same thing makes so, sense yeah makes sense so let me ask you this when you were blazing the trail for flag football because you were an early adopter for sure as head football coach did you get any resistance from tackle football like what are you doing yeah. We did. We had a lot of resistance. We had a lot of people thinking that somehow, some way, youth football would lose numbers um, to flag football. And and I felt that, well, if somebody's not going to play youth football, 
they're probably not going to play football. Right. Ever. Right. So if you can get them at, we have the kindergarten, the first grade group, we have the second, third grade group, fourth and fifth grade. What's happened, I think, is the opposite. I think more and more kids played at a younger level. Their parents felt comfortable with them playing flag football. They enjoyed the game. Now they're into the game and now they want more. And obviously to transition, you see some of the teams now, I think at Psycho, I think their numbers are way up. Instead of having 15 or 16 kids in one grade level, they'll have 30 to 35. So I think it's actually helped more kids play the game, learn the game, want to play the game even more. And uh, I think it translated to, to more kids actually playing football everywhere, not just in situate. Well, it's interesting because we've had this conversation before and, you know, it's not the kid's choice in third grade, whether they play tackle football or not, it's the parent's choice. Right. right? And if you lose uh, that child because they find soccer and soccer becomes their sport, then you may lose a potential football player. I, I applaud you as head football coach, leader of your community, seeing that and having the vision, because I know that there was, there was a lot of resistance as, as the scarce minded uh, comp, competition mindset was was flowing around. But let's jump back into your mortgage business for a little bit. What are you seeing out there right now in the market? Now, folks, if you're listening to this, we're talking about September 2021, coming out of the worldwide pandemic, historic interest rates being low, inventory being low. September 2021, what are we, what are we looking at, Coach? Yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing now is we're still seeing rates are incredibly low. Um, I know the stock market yesterday took a took a big drop. I think the biggest drop since maybe July, and we're still seeing people. I mean, pre approvals are still happening. People are still looking. People are still shopping. I think there was a lot of people in the last six months to twelve months that took advantage of the high prices and sold, and now are sitting on the sidelines waiting to buy and again like you just mentioned there's a lot there's low inventory still i think also with school back everybody's back in school in the school mode most people have said okay maybe we'll settle in for the year um, i think there's still opportunity out there to buy it seems like there's a lot of houses on there are houses on the market um there are there's just not as many people Maybe looking at those houses, the pre-approvals I've seen have kind of trickled down a little bit in the last 30 to 45 days. August was a pretty busy month for us, but I've been seeing, you know, we have a pipeline right now of a lot of our October purchases, um, but it's definitely, it's different. It's, the rates are still incredibly low. Um, I don't think as many people are out there shopping at this time. So do you, do you think that there's buyer fatigue? Is that, you know, people going and bidding seven different times, waving all sorts of nonsense and saying, I, I, I just, I'm going to wait until the market crashes. Yeah. I think you're definitely seeing people that were really wanted to buy that got really frustrated with maybe putting in multiple offers. I mean, some, some people I talked to were putting in eight to 10 to 12 offers over the summer and just did everything in, in, they could possibly do to, to win a house and just were not able to get there. Lost out to a lot of cash buyers cash buyers seem to be like every time I talk to a realtor, it was like, Oh, cash buyer, cash buyer. Um, but I really think that you're going to still see with, with rates staying low. And, and I was actually just at a fundraiser yesterday with a couple of financial, financial planners, financial investors that are talking about a market correction here coming up in the, in the fourth quarter of, of 2021, which could lead to even lower interest rates and, and more and more people like, uh, 
How no. low can they go? I know. It's... Can they go to the ones? Like, are we going to see people refinancing at 1.5% for 30 years? I don't think it's going to get that low. I, I think you could see a, a, a maybe a 2.75 bottom out. That's that's probably the lowest I could see some of these banks not going any lower than that. But Well, it's... you said you've been in this business for 25 years. I remember sitting down with people who were refinancing at 5.5 and they couldn't believe how low it was. It was an adjustable rate mortgage, 5.5. They had been sitting at eight or nine for so long. And I remember saying, well, I guess we're not going to see you ever again. You know, you're at as low as they've ever historically been. Good luck. And if you need anything, we're here for you. And then, and then, and then, and then. I mean, it's exactly how it's been. It's I've had customers that bought houses 15, 20 years ago that, you know, maybe went from seven and a half percent to five and a half yeah. to four and a half. And it's like, okay, I'll never see you again. And then here they are able to get 2.5. And then they, what happens too, it's what's amazing is the amount of people that hold on to a mortgage nowadays, it's, it's like three and a half years. So whether that's they refinance out of it or they sell people are, I think a lot of people in certain towns like to, Hey, we we're we're too far in situate. It's like, Hey, we're too far away from the Harbor. Let's, Let's buy the house in situate, fix it up a little bit, maybe sell, get closer to the harbor, or go to different areas in, in certain towns. So you get a lot of people that just choose to fix up a property, maybe sell it, take advantage of the market. So you are you are seeing people, some people probably every every 12 months to 18 months, at least having a conversation about opportunities that they can take advantage of, whether that's a low rate or to take cash out to fix up the home that they lived in. A lot of that happened this year with... People saying, hey, I'm staying home. I'm going to fix up my yard. I'm going to take care of that addition we wanted to do. We're going to fix our kitchen or our bathroom. So people took advantage of those cash out opportunities and used the equity in their home to just do projects that they've, they've probably had on the list. And they finally were able to get them done. That's amazing. And it, it, it would be really interesting to see the 1.5, 15-year or something like that. But what about some of the folks that you know had more of a struggle through COVID and maybe had to uh, hit the credit cards a little bit. Is that an opportunity right now? Too? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely an opportunity. There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of our clients that whether they were self-employed and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac put, put together some really strict guidelines. If you were self-employed, you had to show three months bank statements and those bank statements had to show deposits equaling what you made in 2019 or 2018 for, for them to be able to use the income. And that wasn't easy. So there was a lot of, I think, self-employed borrowers and a lot of people that were laid off during the pandemic that weren't able to take advantage of interest rates being as low as possible because, A, if they're not working, if they're unemployed, you really can't do anything for those people. So I think there's a big bucket of people that have now back to work, now working full-time. Even the self-employed borrowers are getting back to making sure their revenue is coming in, the revenue streams are coming through. So that clientele probably missed the boat a little bit and still could take advantage of, of where we are with rates right now. Because they're still there. They're still there. And it's just, you don't see it as much on the news and in the market on, you know, you walk, watch like, you know, some of the stock market shows, they're not advertising about how low rates are as much as they were during the height of, of the pandemic where everybody talked about, it's all anybody could talk about was interest rates on the news. Because they figure everybody, everybody I know refinanced, like why would we still talk about this, right? right? 
but right. but there's a certain percentage of people who haven't, right? There's a high percentage. I just saw something um, last week online that talked about 70% wow. of people still have not taken advantage of the rates as, as low as they were. So somebody that's, say, 3.75% or higher, there's a huge percentage of people that have not, maybe don't know right. or couldn't do it at the time or maybe went behind on a mortgage payment. Um, or had some credit cards that that kind of tallied up. Those people now could really try to take advantage of rates still still in the you know below the threes. Wow, in the three in the three range. Talk about some of the people that may have accepted the forbearance. Yeah, I think I think it was an option. A lot of mortgage companies were offering an option to their customers. So if you have a loan service. A mortgage loan servicing company can contact customers or send them mailers in the mail, and people were taking advantage of that. I just had a client call me up the other day. He's like, hey, what's the rule if I want to take a forbearance? And I explained to him, I go, you might get a 90-day, you might get 90 days where you don't have to pay your mortgage, but you need to show the mortgage company if you do take the 90 days, they're going to add that principal to the back of your payoff, and then what will happen is – you need to show the mortgage company that you've made three payments since you came out of the forbearance agreement. So each mortgage company is probably going to be a little different, mm-hmm. but that's just one scenario where, yeah, you can get three months off of paying your mortgage, but that's not three free months. Right. They're going to put that payment, that principal payment, and most likely the principal and interest is going to be added back to the, your, your total payoff at the end. It's amazing how many people we run into that thought it was simply forgiven. It was simply, we're going to skip these payments and then we'll start up again and, and, and here, here we go. Um, but I bet you've run into some folks who, who accepted forbearance and are now refinancing. How, how is that working out? I think as long as, I think some of the Fannie Mae and the Freddie Mac guidelines are starting to loosen up a little bit. Okay. They're starting to, we still haven't gotten any, any new guidance on the self-employed borrowers. It hasn't changed as much. But I think somebody with a forbearance agreement that paid it on time or just went through that 90-day window and did it by the book and did everything they had to do can now take advantage if those people did it in April or May or June of, of this year or even in 2020, they're now back paying on time and they've shown that they have their three months three months of payments. So they uh, they now qualify. So they can still take advantage of, of rates. And most credit reporting companies we're seeing – have not put forbearance agreement on their credit report. It's just become an agreement between the customer and the mortgage company, and then the mortgage company can add it back to their principal, like I said earlier. But I I think the credit bureaus aren't getting maybe wind of that forbearance agreement because that's important. If it shows up on your credit report that you're in a forbearance agreement, that can affect your credit score. Right. And if you refine – so if you go those three – you exit forbearance, you go those three payments timely – you refinance, in essence, you're taking that loan and the forbearance, paying it off and putting it into a new loan? Yes. So you would have, if your payoff, for instance, is 400000 and you have those three extra payments added back to the to your principal, say you pay off four twelve. So that's where sometimes people aren't realizing, like, well, you know, my mortgage statement said this. Right. But, oh, by the way, I had that agreement last year, and now my payoff is 12000 whatever the number is is higher at the end. And so that is something, if we don't know about it, we're going to find out at the very end. And then that's like, oh, by the way, we either got to do cash to close here, you got to bring some money to the closing, or we need to increase your loan amount a little bit to cover it. 
I would imagine that was added to your borrower intake, uh, whether or not they have accepted forbearance, because those last minute um, surprises are no fun in our business. No, they're definitely not. So we try to we try to get them up front if we can, but sometimes sometimes it happens. Yeah, humans, right? Yep. So let me ask you a question. You've been a mortgage loan professional for over twenty five years. Would you recommend that career to a young startup? I would. I mean, I, when I got into the business, I was selling printing supplies. Okay. I mean, you talk about exciting. It was hard too. That's a hard sell from what I understand. I was told to sit in a room in a cubicle for three months to learn the different weights of paper. Mm. I mean, to me, that was scary. Mm. So, wow, this is really my, my job out of college. I went to college for (laughs) that long and I'm learning the different sizes of paper. So to me, it was like, wow, I got to find a career path that is different. I was always a math kid. I loved math growing up. And I, I feel that I'm more of a people person than the business to business sales was tough. I mean, I did printing sales for a year, got an opportunity to get into the mortgage business. I, a recruiter I was talking to just said to me, he's like, Hey, what have you ever thought of mortgages? I'm like, I don't even know what a mortgage is, yeah. but let's, let's find out about it. And Got an interview, learned the business, absolutely loved it. Um, I loved helping people. I loved the fact that I could be in someone's home. Back then, it was you drove around with yeah. a copier, and you went to people's homes, and you met with them, you met their families, you saw their dog, you saw how they lived, you wanted to help them. And that's what this business is about. I mean, if you are a driven person, if you like to be an entrepreneur, you like to be self-employed, you like to kind of one thing about this business I always said is I think it's an untapped, like you can be really good at this business and be really good at your job and you kind of have untapped potential in this, in this industry. And I, and I love the fact that I can, every single time I do a deal for somebody, I'm helping someone. There's no question. I have to help you. I have to help you save money. I have to help you pay off debt. I have to help you buy a house. I have to help you pay off student loans. I have to, I have to help you take cash out to do a project, I have to help you in order to do a loan. I can't just do a loan to do a loan. You have to help a customer. And I think that's probably the most rewarding part of this business. It seems like a reoccurring theme through all of your your teams, right? You're 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 helping, but likely coaching while you're helping too, right? Yeah, I, I think that's a very important piece to to be a mortgage professional. I want people to call me whenever they, hey Herb, we're getting married. We do you know who we can talk to about a photography, a ph- photographer? Um, if people are buying a car, I want them to call me to like ask about financing options or what kind of. I want them. I want my customers to feel they can call me about everything. If you want, you want to call me about a plumber. I want to be the person that you go to to um, ask for advice on a plumber, an electrician, whatever it takes to help your home. I tell people that from the day I close them. It's like, look, if you ever need a referral on anything that has something to do with your home or your finances, your homeowner's insurance. That's really what I like about the business. I want to be their go-to person. I want to coach them, not just in the mortgage world, but I want to coach them when it comes to where to live, what town to live. What, what about it? A lot of people moved into Boston this year. A lot of people moved to the South Shore from Boston, from New York. I was doing more business from people that lived in the cities. And you're coaching them on what towns and, and what's important to those people. And then who do you know that can 
you know, plow my driveway or mow my lawn. Like that's what I like about this business is you're helping people, coaching people nonstop. That's interesting. So it's it's simply in your blood. Let's talk about young loan officers coming up. If they were to come to Mortgage Right, how would their first day look like and would you be there to coach them? Yeah, I think I think anybody right now in this business is a lot of I, I, I guess I could call them the big box companies, right? Yeah. So it's like the the bigger mortgage companies are out there that offer, you know, they say that they offer the training and but I think what Mortgage Right offers is it offers loan officers incredible compensation. It offers loan officers the ability to really I mean, we're probably licensed right now in 40 states. So if you mm-hmm. have opportunities in different states, it's important. But Mortgage Right has given me the opportunity to just be my own boss with support. I want to. I like to run my own business. Right. I don't want to have managers. I don't want to go to managers' meetings. I don't want to be told something that I've already been telling people for years. I want to have the opportunity to run my business. I want to have the opportunity to make you know more you know money that I've probably as a loan officer at different companies I could never make. And it's important to have great rates for my clients, to have great pricing for my clients, to have loans closed. I mean, we've closed closed loans in 10 days. Wow. You know, seven to 10 days, it can happen. So if I have to help somebody out and get it done fast, that to me is important. And I think any loan officer coming into the business can can go to any big mortgage company right now, and they're going to tell you they're going to train you. But the bottom line, it comes down to you training yourself. Right. You've got to be motivated. You have to be the person that can just do it on your own and figure it out on your own. And, and I think that's how I became successful is I just like coaching. I want to learn from people that are the best. I want to like, what is Nick Saban doing? Right. What is Bill Belichick doing? Like when it comes to football, I don't have an ego. I want to learn from the best. And I think if you're a loan officer and getting in this business and you have an ego and you don't want to learn from people, that are successful, then that's your number one flaw. You got to get over that. You got to get the ego out of the room and learn from people that are, have been successful. What are they doing? Not everybody's ideas are going to work for you. My ideas maybe work for me. There's other things that people have done that just doesn't fit my personality or my st- my style. But I think if you're a new loan officer, it's it's so important to customize the business based on what you what you want and what you're good at, and then go after it. I love that. I love it. So hopefully there's some folks listening to this right now that are super motivated right now. And and the reality of it is, is it, it is, it always comes down to you internally. I mean, it's a very common conversation you're probably having with your football players, right? I mean, what are you going to do? I can tell you everything that I can tell you and I can coach you, but what are you going to do? Are you going to stay dedicated? Are you going to hit the phones? Are you going to hit the weight room? Amazing. Let me ask you a question, coach. Consumer comes through, has an amazing experience, wants to go on social media and tell the world. What does a testimonial look like for you and the mortgage right team? I think any any customer, to be honest with you, I think that's probably the one thing that I, I love having my customers be happy and I want them to reach out and, you know, hey, let, let some people, you know, your friends and family that we've taken care of you. But, but I'm also maybe a little bit more on the humble side where mm. I don't reach out as much as I should and ask them to do that. I don't say, Hey, can you just blast it out to everybody? You yeah. know, that's probably the one thing that I, I wish I could 
get better at is making sure my customers just say, hey, tell everybody how great of an experience it was. I just expect it to be that way. I mm. want them to know that, you know what, you're going to go through the process with us. And if you have any issues, and I think I've been doing this for 24, 25 years, I don't remember ever having some somebody ever call the Better Business Bureau to, to complain about what we do because – Anytime somebody has an issue, I'm the one. I'm going to call them right away. I want to. I want to go at them right away and say, "Look, what can we do to make this better? What, what's what's the issue?" And I think anybody out there that can refer us out would probably agree that you know they're going to do above and beyond. They're going to return your phone calls. They're going to call you back right away. You can call me Friday night at nine o'clock. You can call me Saturday morning at six. I don't care. Don't wait till Monday to uh, to make a phone call if you have a question. Just just ask. And uh, we hope that by giving them that experience that they're going to just use our name and mention our name to their friends, to their coworkers, to their family. And, and that's kind of how we do business. I love what you said about um, taking the issues head on. You know, not a lot of people like to talk about this, but, you know, human beings are in a business that's moving really rapidly and issues will happen, whether it's consumer driven, you know, issue, whether it's process issue, but Going right at that issue tends to build so much more goodwill. I agree. I, I think it's really the number one thing as a loan officer. Our job is to make sure that if there's an issue and it can't be handled by maybe somebody, you know, by a processor or your loan officer assistant, if the customer has an issue and they have a question and they want an answer, to me, it's just tackle it now. Go get it. Like, let's go have that conversation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till three days from now. Just call them up now and text them. Call me. Like, call me when you can. Like, let's talk about it because the quicker you can handle that objection, then the quicker it's resolved and everybody's on the same page. Right. If you start letting objections go, then you know what? They're going to say, like, well, I might call this other person or I might go to this other company because I'm not getting the answer that I want. Because my grandfather or my father or my mother told me about this product or this program, and I want that answer. So it's so important to to just – there's going to be a lot of people in new first-time homebuyers. They have a lot of people steering them when we get off the phone with them. So you're going to hear from people that have bought before, coworkers. Oh, yeah. So attack, you got to really go after those objections and, and handle them now and, and make sure that you give them the answer that – is the answer, but you want to make sure that you're answering the, the objections they have or the questions, you know, not everything's an objection. No, no, but it's sometimes it's, you know, it's, if, it, if it lingers and delays, it becomes an issue, right? So talk, let's talk about your referral partners for a second. If a referral partner is working with a buyer, let's call it a real estate professional, and they're and they would like to introduce that consumer to you, how is it best handled? I mean, I have different, so many different referral partners, realtor partners, accountants, financial planners, past clients. I think when it comes to the realtor partners, we talk about that first. It's most realtor partners will call, like send me the phone number of the client and then they're already given a heads up that I'm going to call. Got it. Or I'm going to get an email from them and say, hey, here's an introduction. Um, I like to call those people right away. I want them to know, here I am. This is that that person they were telling you about. I want them to hear my voice. I don't want them to hear from one a person on my team. Like that first initial phone call needs to come from me. I want to be the one that 
introduces myself. I want to know a little bit about them. I want to know where they're coming from. I want to know um, when they're looking to buy. I want to know what towns they're looking at. And I want to be that first welcoming person. And then really, I'll, you know, me and um, Megan on my team will, will help them with the pre-approval. But for the most part, I, I like to be the person that they, they talk to first to uh, make sure that I know where they're going. And, and sometimes it, it might not be a good fit. It might not be, I might not be giving them the product they want or the answer they want or the program they want. And I can always tell them like, hey, you might, I just had a client the other day ask me about a commercial property. I said, look, I don't do that, but tell me about the property. Tell me about the address. Tell me what you're thinking. What do you, what do you want to buy? And I just referred them out to my buddy that's in commercial. So if I just blew them off and said, I just did his, I just did his refinance. So I want to make sure that I'm taking care of him, even though I can't do that loan. I refer him to a commercial person that I know that to me is what I need. That's my job. I want to make sure I take care of him. And how do you let these folks know that once they're in your database, like you're there to help? How are you keeping in touch with them? Yeah, I mean, that's it's hard. I mean, I think our database is just, you know, we probably have 3,000 former clients. I think in the last year we've probably, I mean, the last two years has been so many closings. It's hard to, I mean, we can send out emails to people, but I like to call. I like to just check in and, and try to make those phone calls. I would say in football season, it, my my phone calls dial down a little bit, um, you know, playing, playing a big game that might dial down a lot, but it's, it's one of those things where I try to reach out every quarter or every six months and just say, Hey, just want you to know what's going on in the market. Like, let you know, like, I'll just leave voicemails for people and say, Hey, I know you're here. This is where we're at today. You have, maybe you have PMI and you want to get rid of PMI, whatever it is. I, I like to look at all my past clients and go through the database and just give them a heads up with, you know, say hello, just check in, give me a call if you have any questions on anything mortgage related, insurance related. Um, it's easier said than done sometimes, mm -hmm. but it's definitely one of those things that that we try to do a better job of it. Um, or I need to do a better job of it. In the probably the first quarter of 2022 will be good phone calls. Um, but it is it is where we want to be. I mean, our, our database is, is our is our pipeline is our lifeline. So we want to make sure we take care of all those customers. That's awesome. Hey, question. As you know, we're going to get together with all of the guests at some point in the future, and we're going to have a networking party for all of the podcasting guests, and you know what's going to be there. Karaoke. <laughs> Coach Herb, you're next up on the stage. What are you singing for oh, all your man. database to know? You know, maybe maybe I go a little Bon Jovi, living on all a right. prayer. All you know, right. maybe we throw a little Backstreet Boys at people. You know, okay. I got a little Backstreet Boys. Which one? You know, kind of a, what was the song there we like to sing at my house sometimes is uh, You Are My Fire. My wife drives her crazy, so that's love why it. I sing that one. I love, love, no, love I, that. I definitely, I'm going to not be on that karaoke stage. Yeah, you have so to. You know. So so there's three types of karaoke people. There's the uh, the solo, get off my stage, I'm singing by myself. The ones that have to go up there with someone else. And then the ones, as Dr. Joe referred to, uh, would rather have root canal without any anesthesia before they would actually go up. Coach, if somebody wants to get a hold of you to talk mortgages or mortgage business, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Best way to get hold of me is my cell phone, 781-254-2846. Or you can call me in my office at 781-378-9890, right in Citroen Harbor, right next to Maria's. Come down, get a nice large Italian with hots, and then uh, stop in for a little mortgage talk but uh, my email also is herb at mortgage right 
right.com. You can email me there as well. Get it done right, right? That's right. Coach, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming down. Very grateful, and hopefully your community enjoys listening to this. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. Good luck with the season. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Secure Title. Secure Title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Secure Title, S E C U R I T I T L E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.